Greetings and welcome to a Dividing Line Short program. You may wonder what in the world is a Dividing Line Short program. Well, um, we've done it a couple times before, uh, but it's where I'm just trying to get to one particular topic. Sometimes, I think we did one that was short, like five minutes. This will not be five minutes, but I don't think I'm going to go a whole hour. It's where we just throw it out there and we provide some extra information to folks and hopefully edify you in the process. We are on the road, and yesterday I did a program uh, where I went into uh, the book of Jude, and we looked at Jude verses 4 and 5, and we are doing a lot of responses on the subject of Unitarianism. There's a lot of reasons for that. I've explained some of those reasons. Um, this is relevant to all the groups that we deal with. Um, Rich has told me that there have been some... Uh, Muslims jumping in, uh, defending Dale Tuggy, which <laughs> tells you all you need to know right there, really, in, in many ways. Um, and uh, But the, the, the subjects that we're dealing with, and the subjects we will be dealing with in the future, are relevant, for example, to our, our deep concerns about um, the movement to do apologetics within a quote-unquote great tradition concept. And uh, how to identify that and issues uh, along those lines. So the role of philosophy, uh, Dale Tuggy is a philosopher, uh, analytical philosopher. Um, that results in bad theology, really, really bad theology. Um, super example of how at its best, uh, philosophy has to be a very subservient handmaiden. Uh, to theology, um, and if you do theology the way you do philosophy, and you can hear, if you, if you listen to, to Dr. Tuggy and, and Dr. Craig talking in the first half of their exchange uh, less than a year ago, I think, or about a year ago, um, the models and the, well, I don't affirm this, or I don't affirm that, and, and there's there's no conclusion to be drawn. <laughs> you, you're not... When you're dealing with philosophy, you're dealing with the, the principles of men's thought. And if that is not ordered and under the under subservience to divine revelation and what God how God has made his world, um, philosophy can come up with any theory on the planet and do anything it wants. And that's what you end up with. Well, I, I don't necessarily affirm this, but I'd be open to that. And you just, you end up with no authoritative proclamation whatsoever, no divine revelation, no way of having sure knowledge of anything at all. So, uh, what I want to do is Dr. Tuggy responded briefly uh, to the program. And I found it interesting, somewhat dismissive. He's made a couple of other comments that I want to quickly get to um, in this as well. Um, he uh, hoped that I feel better soon. Thank you. I am feeling better today. Uh, he said, well, let's go ahead, and um, I had, uh, well, I'll just read it to you, because I already have, have his article up to show you on the screen, so it would be easier to do it this way. He says, I listened, and you said some relevant things, but did not address the arguments for Lord in my post, nor did you explain why the CBGM is a game changer on this, if it is. At the end of the day, the layperson mostly sees NA27 versus NA28 regarding Jude 5. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's address, first of all, nor did you explain why the CBGM is a game changer on this, if it is. I did. And it. I just, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I don't think Dr. Tuggy has 
any serious knowledge whatsoever of... I don't get the feeling that he reads any of the biblical languages, and I don't get the feeling he has any serious knowledge of textual critical studies at all. Um, and so, as a result, maybe didn't understand what I was saying is that the ECM, the Additio Critical Mayor, which the manual New Testaments, the, the Nestle Allen text, the UBS text, are the same text, different punctuation, but it's the same text, being produced by the same people, and they are now derivative from the ECM. The ECM will determine the text of the Nestle-Allen text and of the, of the UBS text. And so, um, until Jude was done in the ECM, every textual commentary that came before that um, does not have access to that information doesn't have access to the coherence of the manuscripts that read Jesus and the manuscripts that read Kurios uh, at Jude 5. And so um, any discussion of that textual variant or any textual variant in the New Testament once the ECM is published will have to take into consideration at, at minimum the weight of the CBGM analysis. And if you're going to argue against it, for example, the NASB 2020 did not adopt that reading. Um, so you have to go read the, their analysis of that. But they have to analyze that and say, this is why we didn't do that. Um, so, yeah, it, of course it's a game changer. It, it's, the, it's the fullest collation of manuscripts, uh, analysis of the relationship of manuscripts, coherence. Um, I almost thought about bringing up the uh, some of the CBGM databases um, just to show you, but the things that you can do, um, the, the analysis, that you, analysis that you can make uh, based upon this information, I, I realize the vast majority of textual critics today are not fully up to speed on CBGM. I get that. I, I, I understand that. Um, but that doesn't change how vitally important it is. And even if you have questions about and I have certain questions about uh, how CBGM approaches the um, the appearance of manuscripts in history. Uh, and I've expressed some of those in the past. You can go back to some of the CBGM introductions I've done on the dividing line. So it's not done yet, but the information is vitally important. So um, it is a game changer, and I, I thought I explained that, but now I have again. So he says, you did not address the arguments for Lord in my post. Well, two things. Um you didn't seem to know what CBGM was. And in fact, uh, what I'll show you here is um, one of the comments that was made. Not, not, there's some things I want to look at earlier. But uh, let me um, show you. Uh, this is from the... Uh, no, that's not what I wanted. Uh, I want that. And go there. There we go. Um, there. All right. So... This is from uh, Dr. Tuggy's article. This is my uh, Evernote version of it. Um, notice it says, uh, and citing one article agrees to the editors, well, that's not enough for the reader to make up her mind. And notice the most widely used critical edition of the New Testament, Nestle Allen in its 27th edition had Lord here, but in its 28th edition has Jesus here, but who knows why? Now here's, here's, there, there's, there's the point. 
Um, Dr. Tuggy does not understand what's going on here. Does not understand the current state of the study of the text and textual critical analysis of the text. Um, so he's he's going after the NET here, which has a good note, gives a, a, a reference to a, um, notice it's a 2008 article, Did Jesus Save the People Out of Egypt? A Reexamination of a Textual Problem in Jude 5. It's from 2008, uh, which is before any of the CBGM material was available. Um, the theory had been developed, but the practice had not yet been developed in 2008. And so, um, when, when he says, but who knows why, Dr. Tuggy, the why is CBGM. I explained that. Uh, now, this is written before I said that, so fine, but the why is, the, why is there a difference between NA27 and NA28? He says, but who knows why? Well, everybody in Munster knows why, and anybody who knows sexual criticism knows why, and that is the CBGM analysis of the coherence of the manuscripts that say Jesus at Jude 5. So, um, this is sort of important stuff. Uh, real briefly, before that, uh, he had said, thus you, the layperson, ought not to base any controversial doctrine on, the, on this verse, such as that Jesus was active in Old Testament times, something we don't see cl uh, clearly see anywhere else in the New Testament, except where Jesus says, Abraham saw my day, rejoiced and was glad. And every passage identifies Jesus as Yahweh. Um, which is why he has to deny all these things. So you see the the philosophical presuppositions that keep Dale Tuggy from dealing with the biblical text in any kind of holistic fashion uh, are here in full display. Um, and so uh, let, let's go to the arguments, because it's supposed to be short. Here are the arguments um, that uh, Tuggy said I didn't respond to. So let's let's take a look at them. Hopefully this will be useful to you. Um First, we don't see any other New Testament authors crediting the man Jesus with the Exodus. But probably we would see that had they believed it. But they probably did not, and so probably Jude did not. So probably Jesus is a corruption. So this is, this is exactly how you do not do textual analysis whatsoever. Um, this is taking your presuppositions, your theological presuppositions, and going... Well, um, the textual variant that fits my presuppositions is, a pre is the variant that we will need to take. Uh, this is, of course, a temptation for anyone, but here you have a Unitarian doing it, and that makes it all the worse. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, we see the New Testament authors identifying Jesus as creator, um, as Yahweh, um, and therefore he is clearly active in the Old Testament, um, the, the whole starting point uh, for Tuggy is, nope, he's a man that came into existence at that point in time, and so um, there's, there's nothing, there's no activity in the, in the past, even though, uh, you know, there's just so many places you would point to. Um, clearly, uh, John tells us in John 12:41 that it was Jesus that Isaiah saw. So if, if, if Jesus is on the throne being worshipped in Isaiah 6, then is that a different Yahweh than, than was involved with the Exodus? Uh, isn't there some significance, as there clearly is, in Genesis 18 and 19, that you have Yahweh in human form and two angels who meet with Abraham? 
and Yahweh on earth rains fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah from Yahweh in heaven. There's only one Yahweh. And all your philosophical presuppositions have to give way to biblical revelation, not the other way around. You can't use your philosophical presuppositions to limit biblical revelation, which is what you have uh, going on here. Uh, second, Jesus is the proper name of the man born to Mary, and this man was not around in the time of Exodus, of the Exodus. Well, you know, that's quite true. Uh, however, obviously, the point that Jude is making is that Jesus is going to be the one that is going to be judging and cutting off the false teachers. And so there the connection is Jesus saved the people out of Egypt and destroyed those who did not believe. So here you have false teachers in the church that say they're following Jesus. They're going to find him to be their judge. That's why we went to Revelation chapter 6. We saw the Lamb. He sits on the throne. Made the connections to the Old Testament. The very language that is used of, uh, of uh, despota and, 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 and kurios. And uh, we looked at all that the last time together. So uh, that is not a, a meaningful uh, argument. Uh, third... And uh, perhaps most importantly, this author, now, here, now here's where you're going to see presuppositions big time. This author distinguishes between Jesus and God, a.k.a. Yahweh. Did you catch that? you catch that? Unitarian presupposition, Yahweh's Unitarian. Therefore, if uh, the author distinguishes between Jesus and the Father, and we're going to make the Father God only. So the Father is God only, who is Yahweh only. Therefore, Jesus can't be Yahweh. And therefore, Unitarianism follows. It is a vicious circle. I don't understand how they can't see it. Well, I can, on a spiritual level. But it's so plain and obvious that Jesus is being identified as Yahweh. He's our only Master and Lord. Yahweh is only Master and Lord. It's right here. You just got to get rid of your Unitarian glasses that filter out all the stuff they're not supposed to see. And so, and the text he has in mind unambiguously described the actions of Jude 5 to 7 to Yahweh. Uh, right. Uh, it's God's judgment, which is referred to in this whole section, which is why Jesus is God. Which is why when Jesus judges those in his own congregation as Yahweh, this is the same thing we have in Titus 2, 13 through 14 where Paul takes passages about Yahweh creating a special people for himself, applies it to Jesus. That's why Jesus is called our great God and Savior. Uh, because he is Yahweh, incarnate. And if you don't just start with this simplistic presupposition that Yahweh is Unitarian, it all makes perfect sense. And you don't have to be throwing out any of the biblical texts as you have to do as a uh, Unitarian. And finally... Uh, fourth, many commentators have noticed that for whatever reason, this author prefers the fancier Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus or Lord Jesus Christ our Lord. Sort of surprising if he, if he should use just the adorn, unadorned Jesus here. Well, um, okay, so that's a stylistic argument, and given the brevity of Jude, an irrelevant one. It, it's, it's, there's not enough text there to say, well, this author, regular, if you were in... Romans or 1 Corinthians, maybe you could say all the way through this lengthy letter, but Judas isn't long enough to make that kind of an argument um, whatsoever. So it just doesn't uh, provide you with what, what you needed in, uh, in those texts. So he said, you know, respond to uh, what, I, what I had to say and, uh, in regards to Kurios, and so we did. And hopefully that is useful to you. 
Uh, let me uh, take this down for a moment. Uh, and look at uh, two other comments real quick. We are, we are trying to make this a DL short, so um, I've only gone 20 minutes. That's not too bad. Uh, so let's look at the, uh, at the next thing that Dr. Uh, Tuggy said. Uh, he said, uh, in my view, Dr. White does not have a fully developed theory as he still labors under the assumption that there is some one theology called the doctrine of the Trinity. Still, one could argue that he does assume or imply these claims, among others, and of course he wants to give uh, himself uh, credit because he uh, wrote an article for an uh, online encyclopedia. Well, I have too, so what? Big deal. Um, lots of people have. Um, but he, he wants to say, well, well he, he um, still labors under the assumption that there is some one theology. Well, obviously, if you believe there is one God, um, one eternal God, who exists in three divine persons, and you define this on the basis of biblical revelation, there is far more consistency between those of us who start there. Now, those who do not start there, those who start with philosophical presuppositions, those who do, those who do not start with divine revelation will come up with everything under the sun. And so you can do your Trinity's stuff and come up with all sorts of stuff like that and look at what the Mormons say or the Jehovah's Witnesses have to say or whatever. There's lots of stuff like that. But there are three biblical doctrines. Monotheism, the existence of three divine persons and the equality of those persons. I, I was defending that before Dr. Tuggy even started dealing with this stuff. By his own admission today, he said he started dealing with Trinity stuff in 2002. Uh, I published Forgotten Trinity in 98 and was doing my first interactions with Unitarians about 1984. Um, so I've been consistent from the beginning in insisting upon a biblically defined doctrine of the Trinity. And in fact, over the past year and a half, I've been pointing out uh, to some within my own tribe that once you leave that solid foundation, uh, what could come after that could become quite ugly, uh, honestly. Um, and so when you do that, whoops, didn't mean to do that. I apologize. Again, just doing this fast and, uh, and quickly. Um, so, yes, there is a doctrine of the Trinity. Um, and that doctrine of the Trinity is accurately represented by the, the Nicene faith. Um, it's also accurately represented in writings before that, despite Dr. Tuggy's very unique uh, views on church history, um, which we'll get to eventually. Um, I mean, that's, that's secondary to me. It's interesting. You know, we started off looking, for example, at uh, Ignatius and a few things like that. It's, it's interesting. Um, but the issue is, what does divine revelation say? Not what did people after divine revelation interpret that revelation to say that's a part of history that doesn't determine the content of divine revelation itself. Uh, Dr. Tuggy also uh, said, and uh, we'll pop this up here real quick. Um, My one hesitation is that he has shown a lot of impatience working with any material that is outside his wheelhouse. He likes what he likes and shows basically no appreciation of the virtues of analytic theology. Oh, well, you can understand as much as he wants to. God bless him. Well, isn't that kind? Um, well, here's, here's the problem. Analytic theology. Now, analytic philosophy is bad enough. 
But analytic theology, uh, give me biblical theology any day. Um, I don't even know what he's defining as analytic theology. I mean, there's lots of different uses of phraseology like that. Um, but um, let, let's just lay this on the line. Dr. Tuggy is a philosopher. He is not an exegete. He is not a theologian. He's not a textual critic. Um, and so, evidently, he's, uh, you know, if, if he wants to say that the, the truth about the Trinity is to be found outside of divine revelation, outside of the actual text, outside of what the text actually says, outside of the exegesis of that text. Fine, my argument has always been the doctrine of the Trinity is based upon what God has revealed in his revelation. And that's where I stand. And so why should I go anywhere else? I mean, we demonstrated the sophistry of the argumentation he presented that Jesus could not be a God because of all these category errors and, and uh, definitions that are not uh, based on Scripture and stuff like that. Uh, but, okay, fine. I find that to be incredibly uh, lacking in, in compelling force, uh, incoherent, inconsistent, and irrelevant to anyone who takes the Bible seriously. The fact of the matter is, Dale Tuggy knows he cannot stand in the Scriptures. He cannot deal with the original languages. He cannot deal with textual criticism. He cannot deal with exegesis. He is a philosopher. And that's where he's coming from. And I think he just needs to come out and say, you know what? Uh, being a philosopher is more important than being able to handle divine revelation in Scripture. And historically, Unitarians have always collapsed on the doctrine of Scripture. Always have. Because fundamentally, if you don't have a divine Savior who actually is the, a divine Lord who is actually the one who has revealed these things, um, eventually the foundation comes apart. And just look at all the Unitarian churches in, in history. Where have they gone over time? Have they maintained any kind of high view of Scripture? No, they, they might start off as, as a, as a you know, in New England as uh, denominations apostatized as they moved away from the faith, uh, they moved away from a lot of things. Uh, reality of the atonement, um, all those types of things, trinity. But what was one of the first things that went? Was the highest view of scripture. Highest view of scripture. And so, my argument very plainly is, if you stand in the highest view of scripture, and you take scripture seriously, and you do consistent exegesis, the results are clear. The results are plain. Um, that's why I am a biblical Trinitarian and will stay right there as a biblical Trinitarian. Uh, yes, I do believe that Nicaea was correct, but I am not a Trinitarian because of Nicaea. I'm not a Trinitarian because of Constantinople. I am not a Trinitarian because of Chalcedon. All of those give us insights, they give us language, they give us tools, but they are all subservient to Scripture. And the only way to pass a vital, living definition of the doctrine of the Trinity for the worship of God's people onto the next generations is to root it in that which the Spirit of God makes to come alive in our hearts, and that's Scripture. It's not philosophical argumentation. It is not. And the only philosophical argumentation that actually honors and glorifies God is that which starts the Lordship of Jesus Christ.
starts with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I don't know of any practicing analytical philosophers that start there. We've had some brilliant Christian philosophers. Greg Bonson was brilliant, but he started with the Lordship of Christ. Started with the Lordship of Christ. And that's where we need to be uh, as well. Um, so, wanted to get uh, those uh, taken care of because it's uh, today's uh, Saturday. And uh, so I won't probably have a chance to do a dividing line until uh, Tuesday. And um, so if that's the case, then uh, there you go. Wanted to get those out there, and we will press on. In uh, I want to, uh, I've started working on the audio note taker files for some of for the debate with that Tuggy had with Chris Date, uh, and for um, the dialogue with William Lane Craig. And uh, one of the things I do, I've already started marking since I stumbled across it, was the many places where Dale Tuggy massacred the rules of debate primarily in cross-examination with Chris Date. I thought it was uh, extremely disrespectful to the audience, to debate, to Chris, and I'll play some of those. And, um, and we'll say, hey, if something ever happens uh, to where a debate were to take place with Dr. Tuggy, I can guarantee you one thing. You have to have a moderator that will control the man and say, oh, no, sir, you don't do it that way. You don't make comments in cross-examination. Um, and Chris, I, he may have picked up from me because I've done it many, many times. Um, during debates, when someone pulls one of those things and they start making comments and making arguments in cross-examination, I'll go, is that a question? And if they say no, then I'll say, well, then you're breaking the rules. I'm going to answer it anyways. And um, that's what would have to happen in, uh, in a debate uh, in, in the future if that were to happen. So thanks for listening to this um, uh, DL short. Uh, appreciate it. We will see you the next time on The Dividing Line. God bless.